if you are absolutely convinced that tenure track professoring is the be all and end all, I assure you, I promise you, you can find glimmers of that stuff. You just have to figure out what is the root of what energizes you? What is the root there? What are the roots? And you can find those roots all over the place. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. Here I am, your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Yay! Guys, we have Dr. Jennifer Polk on with us today. I am kind of fangirling here. <laughs> I don't know if I said it on the episode. I think I did. Uh, I called her like the grandmother of this movement, um, academics doing other things besides staying in the academy. Uh, it's such an honor to interview her, hear her story, um, and just chat with her about where all this is going. She's been doing this a long time, and she never, you know, she shares the background behind her feelings and thoughts around not fitting in in academia and actually never, you know, ever really working in the academy, but that she became this kind of beacon. You know, she started blogging about her feelings and her thoughts before there was anything like Quitlet. And um, so she's just been kind of this central hub, I guess, for people who have you know, been questioning whether or not they should stay in the academy, what it would mean to look outside of it. And so it was just, I just felt so happy and honored to be able to interview her and share her story. So um, many of you probably already know who she is. But for those of you who don't, I think you're going to learn a lot about really where this comes from. We go into a lot about the future, the future of academics. Like, do we see an exodus coming? What what are our visions for that? And then her new project that she's working on and how she's bringing in, tying it all together, all the work she's been doing uh, for the last just under 10 years. So um, this is a jam-packed episode. Dr. Jennifer Polk does not mess around. <laughs> she tells it like it is. And I'm just so grateful that I get to present this interview to you. So enjoy this one, everyone, and let us know uh, how you love it. She's on Twitter. So if you want to share on Twitter, that would be amazing because I know that's where a lot of her peeps are. All right. So without further ado, we have Dr. Jennifer Polk. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. Today, I have such a gift. I feel like, well, the one and only Jennifer Polk is on with us today in Academics Mean Business. And I've been waiting for this interview probably ever since I've even started. <laughs> um, and I awkwardly reached out end of the year doing batching and like, oh, yeah, I need to have Jennifer on. Now that I have like several episodes under my belt, I feel a lot more confident and excited, I guess, just to interview you, Jennifer. I'm Your work is just so important to this podcast existing, to, um, I guess, even me coming out of academia and realizing I wasn't the only weird person to be doing that, not actively seeking an exit and stumbling on one. I'll, I'll say that. So welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you, Lindsay. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> And and let me invite you and anyone else listening, just call me Jen. There you go. That's normal. Jen <laughs> yeah. is here. <laughs> awesome. You guys, this is going to be a good one because she has been doing work in this space for a long time. I don't want to call you a grandma because you're not via age, but like, I feel like you're a grandmother to like this kind of stuff. I had uh, Chris Humphreys on also recently, and I'm just starting to interview these people who've been doing this kind of stuff uh, for a while. And there's like real work on the back end that's happening with what PhDs can do 
um, and what people with advanced degrees can do out in the real world. And so I, I like don't even know where to start. I feel like I just want to ask you, like, tell me all the things. Like, how'd you do this? Um, yeah, but we typically start with like the academic background kind of thing, like what you studied when you, you know, were in school, if you want to dive into dissertation research, if you feel like chatting about that. But what did what did that look like for you? Um, that early academic career? Sure, sure. Absolutely. So I uh, went straight through, which most folks listening probably understand what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> high school, undergrad, at master's, I did an MA and then I did my PhD, yeah, no cool. stopping. Uh, I did my, uh, my MA and my PhD both in history mm-hmm. and I did my PhD at the University of Toronto. So I grew up in Ottawa and I did my BA and my MA in Ottawa at Carleton oh, cool. University, which is where I met Marin during my MA. Marin mm-hmm. will probably come up later in our conversation. Yes. <laughs> and then I started my PhD and I'll give you, I'll give folks a date so that they can, uh, oh, lament, that would be yeah. <laughs> lament my life choices. Or not. <laughs> So I, I started my PhD in 2004 mm-hmm. and I had done a two-year master's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is interesting anyways. Um, that's <laughs> why I moved to Toronto, which isn't all that far from Ottawa, but it's not close. It's not, you know, it's, it's a drive or I don't have a car, so it's a train ride or a flight. <laughs> and I finished my PhD in 2012. So I'll let folks do the math on that. So I did my PhD in history. When I, when I do video uh, interviews, I, I spill my camera over and I show them the big thing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, do so a, dissert- we'll do a screenshot or something or an yeah, image we the can put in show notes. I mean, history is a very field, mm. but narrative history and uh, we write big stuff. So yeah. big project. Um, I finished my, so I finished in 2012 and Lindsay, usually I just go on, but please interrupt me. because I No, talk please. About- I, people love this stuff. I'm telling you, most yeah. people are like, I don't get to talk about my dissertation very often. I'm sure you talk about it a lot, but some of my other guests, not quite so much. Yeah, well, I don't talk about the dissertation itself. Um, but when I, when I tell the story, I, norm- I normally then move on. to. So during my PhD, a couple of years before I finished, I started freelancing. And mm. A few years even before that, I was blogging. So I was doing ah, something totally uh-huh. different while I was a PhD student. Yep. And it didn't lead to a job or anything in any direct way at, at all. But having outside interests, quote unquote mm-hmm. distractions, mm-hmm. Uh, that was really important, I realized later. So I, I started to do occasional freelance work um, back in 2010. How did you find out about freelance yeah. work? Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so uh, it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2009, um, I forget the details on this, but folks in my department who were paying attention knew that I was kind of disgruntled. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Um, at least the grad students knew. Um, and one of my colleagues, so she was also doing a PhD. Uh, she was more of a grown-up, so she would had a career <laughs> before doing a PhD. Mm-hmm. And her former colleagues were consultants because she herself had worked as a consultant, mm-hmm. management consultant. Um, she, in fact, is a lawyer and she does consulting now again. Um, but anyway, she hooked me up with a friend, former colleague of hers, who is a, a guy who has his own little consulting firm. It's primarily Glenn. Uh, and Glenn needed somebody he would call a research assistant. Um, so my friend Mary was like, Jen, you can do this. Mm. <laughs> Glenn needs somebody to do stuff. Uh, I know that you're sort of, you know, maybe looking for something else to do with your time on occasion. So that's what I did. And 
I wasn't myself working as a consultant mm. in the way that he was because I wasn't a subject matter expert. I didn't have any experience in the particular kinds of consulting that he did. This he was a he often worked with municipalities and nonprofit organizations on heritage and culture mm. uh, and some the economic development stuff. Anyway, it's totally unrelated to history in detail. But I did learn a couple of really interesting things working with Glenn and then working with some of Glenn's colleagues as well. I liked working on projects as mm-hmm. part of teams. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, submitting invoices and getting paid for work I actually did. <laughs> Weird, was, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> that was fun. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I mean, I think it can seem weird to folks who are maybe still in graduate school, but mm. I actually learned a ton more stuff about a lot of different kinds of things doing this freelance work than I was, than I learned. I mean, it was a different kind of learning than, than dissertating because of course, sure. dissertation, you go super, super, super deep and that's yep. great. I mean, that's what you should do. But I really appreciated again, going broad, mm. and doing totally different kinds of things. Um, and I also learned that I liked doing research, but only if I was involved in what happens after the research. Ah, so I didn't, mm-hmm. right? So it was interesting to realize about myself that I wasn't interested in research per se. And that was the end of the story. I was interested in research as a way of solving a problem or, or coming up with, with recommendations. And so mm-hmm. that... That's an important a, key. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was a really, really important learning. And it, it helped me put into context other things too, like I actually did kind of like working from home, but I also liked having colleagues, mm. right? And that's, I was in a humanities program and you don't really have colleagues <laughs> in any kind of meaningful yeah. way. Uh, so, yeah, no, it, it was, uh, I learned lots of stuff. It was really interesting. And then I finished my PhD formally and um, did a little bit more freelancing. But the main thing is that I didn't know what I was going to do after my mm. PhD. And mm-hmm. I was very fortunate that I had a bunch of money in the bank saved up. And what that meant in my case was me sort of realizing, oh, money is so I don't have to hate my life. Mm. Okay, right. So I didn't feel, I mean, I felt pressure, but I sort of relaxed a bit (laughs) and was able to take the time to figure out what I wanted to do because I had, you know, not been super, super thrilled the last few years at that Mm -hmm. point in my life in general, not been super thrilled about things. And I was fortunate that I gave myself, I could give myself some time to sort out what I would do next because I didn't want to just keep going, not enjoying life. Sure. And so you, you, you saw that as being connected to academia, like not enjoying life as in, you know, being a, a faculty member or doing a postdoc or anything like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think burnout, I'm not sure mm. if that's quite the right term, but, but I, you know, it was definitely a feeling of disgust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's, you know, I did feel that. Uh, I was super keen when I started my PhD, I was heavily involved in grad student stuff in the life of the mm. department. Mm-hmm. I organized all the things I, you know, worked with colleagues and organized conferences and ran a newsletter and, you know, was on student government and stuff. And that did not last. Mm. um, and so yeah I mean lots of things went on but it was important for me to find a new community um, Mm. and to take the time to learn what was out there yeah (laughs) you know yeah definitely so I know if we're circa you know 2012 right so I think that's also when Chris Humphreys told me he started jobs on toast as well so I'm curious, like, cause so there, 
there wasn't a lot of people talking about this choice that you're making. So Mm -hmm. um, you kind of had to build this community. And I know you have been blogging about this for a long time and sharing people's stories as well. What were those early days like about really publicly making that decision and recognizing, oh, who do I talk to about this? Or or did you feel that at all, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I defended and I handed in the final thing in February 2012 and flailed about uh, for a few (laughs) months and you know, eventually, Felt empty. <laughs> that yeah, feeling I mean, of the yeah, the stuff that happens know, after the dissertation. Yeah, did a variety of things uh, that <laughs> wasn't overly meaningful. And mm. a key moment for me was so February finished in November, right? So some time passed. I ended up hiring a career coach, Hillary Hutchinson. Ah. Um, okay, she her website is transitioningyourlife.com. Mm. But she specializes in working with academics and administrators yeah. in higher ed. Not exclusively, but those are most of her clients. And she has a whole sort of stream of her coaching business that is unhappy academics. Mm. <laughs> and I have not met was, her. I need to find her. <laughs> yes, Hillary Hutchinson. Cool. It, Hillary with two L's. Okay. It was very clever of her, I realized later. I was reading Versatile PhD. Uh, and there was a thread on Versatile PhD about... Um, informational interviews and I you know was learning from reading like what color is your parachute and mm. other stuff like, these are things you should do and she posted in that thread I have a cheat sheet uh you know just uh-huh. email me if you want this cheat sheet and I was like okay stranger on the internet <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I will take you up on this well this was business development or bit you mm-hmm. know marketing for her right yep so she emailed me this pdf and by the way I'm a career coach I'd you know, love to offer you you know our, our initial free phone conversation okay stranger on the internet <laughs> speaking with hillary that first time i you know over the phone uh really i mean the whole process of working with hillary was life-changing but mm. it was from that very first conversation i was like <sighs> yeah here's somebody who gets it mm. um who really gets it and it was from there that i started to learn more about what's out there. So Hillary was around and there's other academic coaches that she was connected who, with that I sort of met, not in person, but met virtually over the months. And folks like, um, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to remember her name, uh, but there was another sort of academic coach mm-hmm. who was writing all sorts of stuff about the emotions of this transition. Ah, and uh-huh. that's, that for me was uh, what I found most interesting and valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's practically difficult to look for a job. It's practically challenging to write a resume. I mean, this is a big challenge for, sure. for folks who come from a very different environment, i.e. academia. Um, these are practical challenges. But even before you get to the practical challenges, mm-hmm. you have major emotional challenges. Or mm-hmm. At least I did. Because <laughs> even though I never ended up going on the academic job market, I never applied for postdocs or tenure track or even, even at adjunct sessional position. I never applied for any of that stuff. I felt like an asshole for not applying mm-hmm. for them. And I felt like the only thing I was good for was working as a professor. And yet I was, I felt had, I had zero confidence. I had less than zero confidence mm-hmm. in my ability to do that successfully. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it sucked. Yeah. Uh, it sucked because I felt like this is what I was supposed to do. And yet I sucked at it mm-hmm. uh, and I wasn't going to be able to do it. And so uh, is that it? Oh, that's, uh, well, that can't be it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was, you know, like 32 when I finished. No, mm-hmm. you know, no serious professional experience. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, difficult. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I love that connecting with people online. And I know it's funny because even, I mean, even just that being only six years ago, it still amazes me at like how still there's like, mm, well, I guess people are more accessible and are talking about more things and there are more options and and all of that. So back then I could only even imagine, right? Like, so I I want to also kind of talk about this idea about the identity and the emotional transition. I experienced that too. And like, mm-hmm. it was less a feeling of I'm lost and I don't know what to do and more a feeling of, <laughs> I wouldn't say like, it was like, suppressed panic, but I wouldn't have labeled it panic at the time. But I'm like, who the hell am I to be running a business? And I like, I didn't have to. So the practical thing of running a business, I could find answers on the internet. But I wasn't having to like, quote unquote, look for a job. But now I like was making money through myself. And so like, I knew I didn't want to like, I left academia not being pushed out. I left by choice, by realizing there's other things that I meant to do. But Mm -hmm. like, I still think I suppressed for the first two years of my business, the loss that was that identity. And this podcast has actually been like a coming back to it and recognizing that I can be all of it. Like I can be the academic, I could be um, a CEO, I could be, you know, a service provider, I could be a digital course creator and seller, like I could be all of it, like I'm allowed to be all of it. But for a long time, I like, I siphoned it off and like, it was almost like I hid it in the closet in some way. And that's where this podcast comes out where it's like, oh, like the fact that we're all those things is really important. So the fact that you got help, you know, and was seeking coaching in a transition in a, in an industry that doesn't really show that as an option, like asking for help as one example, but like that, that anyone's struggling and needs to go outside. It's like, you know, that you're that. And then you're also, you know, we're going to get into like your business and you're a business owner and you were making it work. And we got, we get to be all of that. And in fact, that all of us is what being that whole is what helps other people realize that they can do that too, which I think is so powerful. And so like we, I guess we struggled through this emotional transition without recognizing that, oh, or like now I'm coming to terms with, I went through that so I could talk about it and have other people go, I'm dealing with that. Have you have you made this connection with your audience around like your history and your past and that the feelings you've had um, and, you know, being able to have an impact on, you know, lots of people coming up to you being like, thank you. I'm so glad you exist and are talking about it. Could you speak about that work that your presence and showing up and saying like, this happened to me, this is what I was scared of. This is what I was sad about and worried about um, how that's actually impacting, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Sure. (laughs) I'm (laughs) laughing because, uh, well, let me, let me tell my, what I can say Mm, about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, it was really interesting. I it was in the context of starting to work with Hillary. Uh, it wasn't, you know, anything she said specifically. I don't think, but it was in that context of working with Hillary and starting to feel better about myself, and starting mm-hmm. to get clarity around who I was. I mean, mm-hmm. I had conversations with her that I had never conceived of. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think yep. part of it is I've never worked with a therapist. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and I, you know, my family, we just were not really close in that kind of way. Yep. Um, I mean, we're close and we just don't have those sorts of conversations, yep. you know, feelings and emotions. I mean, it's just not a thing. So 
um, who my, what my values are and what energizes mm. me and what was important to me. You know, like actually important to me. I don't care about your supervisor. I don't, you know, I yep. don't care about your family thinks. I mean, these people, supervisor, family, I mean, they're all amazing and awesome, but everyone's got their own agenda. Yep. Uh, and that's a good thing. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but you, you know, anyways, the conversations were amazing. And in December, 2012 is when I launched my new blog. It just came to me in a flash from PhD to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started, I wrote my first two blog posts like December 12th or something like that. And I love it. I was in, I was kind of, I mean, I was already on social media in a different context because I, mm. I, I might've mentioned I was a blogger. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'd had a podcast for a couple of years sort of in a, oh, yeah. in a different, totally different context. I was involved in the independent music scene here in Toronto. Oh, cool. But I was kind of already online in a certain way. But people mm-hmm. started to see, you know, on Facebook, I was posting this new blog. And I had people say to me, you know, it's really brave of you to write mm-hmm. this stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I get it because there was a moment in the very beginning where I thought, oh, am I putting my name on this website? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm laughing now because it's, I mean, duh, but, but it was yeah. a real, it was a real thing. And you know, the, the response that I would give to people saying, you know, mm. you're so brave was like, I can't not do this. That's, yeah. that's a quote yep. actually from, I can't not do it. So that's a, that's a quote or a close paraphrase from, oh, there's this guy, Parker Palmer, whom I, oh, yeah. I okay. don't know because I grew up atheist, but I gather he's very famous <laughs> in the kind yeah. of vaguely Christian or Christian world. Um, vaguely, vaguely Christian. And he's also like, a sociology yes, professor yes. like yeah I, I stumbled on his work as well in my teaching he's so yes. fascinating so mm-hmm. he was a sociology PhD and mm-hmm. he gave this interview and I cannot remember what I blogged about it years ago he gave an audio interview where he talked about uh, how everyone thought that he was supposed to become a young college professor you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he couldn't do that uh, mm. and that really resonated with me um yep. so part you know, part of the journey, part of my journey was finding kind of everywhere, mm-hmm. stumbling across mm-hmm. people everywhere that had PhDs mm-hmm. or that had significant graduate experience, but that were not currently working as academics and just mm-hmm. finding them hiding in plain sight yep. and starting to feel even by myself sitting in front of my computer or my, you know, uh, my phone. At that point, it was my computer because, <laughs> right. you know, I didn't have fancy phones back then. But starting to feel part of a community that didn't know I existed, yeah. but I knew they existed. Uh-huh. And then let me speed up my story to then start to find those people on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter was the main place that I started to find people sort of using hashtags like alt act. Yep. Uh, and starting to inject, interject myself in conversations and invite myself <laughs> to <laughs> conversations. And I do think really getting involved in building a community online around all of these issues. Um, and later for semi formalizing this, I had, I posted a, a Twitter chat for three years with the hashtag mm-hmm. with a PhD. Yeah. Um, that was twice a month. It was, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think the community on Twitter that, that we, all of us, hundreds of us kind of cultivated and grew has been really amazing amazing and I, I say amazing for me personally and I know because people do tell me on occasion that yeah. my blogging and my sharing as well as my own story uh, has helped people I you know I I I know it because they tell me <laughs> yeah right <laughs> there is evidence yeah I love that and like 
you know, it's funny, like I've had this conversation with lots of people who've, yeah, definitely gone different paths, but like similar feelings of being disgruntled or not really sure like that this was the right place or that this would always be the right place. And um, this idea that now we're finding each other a little bit quicker, possibly because of, of, you know, the way the media, like way social media is changing so, so fast, I guess. But then that there's also these like records of people like you who've been doing it for a really long time. And it's almost like the, I don't even know it. Part of what I'm wondering too, if you want to comment on as it relates to like freelancing and building a business, like it's like way easier now than it was in 20, you know, 2012, right? This idea of building some, you know, something that can sustain you and be your quote unquote job or your income. Um, you know, I talk about this a lot. Like it's a lot easier now. It's easier to build a website. It's easier to take payment. <laughs> like, mm. and so it's almost like spreading like wildfire a little bit where I'm just recognizing this you know, I wouldn't maybe be so dramatic of naming it like an exodus per se, but this idea that academics are recognizing that there are other ways of being and um, and doing in the world, you know, rewards them for their work, which is what you totally brought up with your, you know, doing your PhD and grad student work is like a whole other ballgame. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, you know, do you, are you seeing this? Like how... How has it changed in like six years? Like what was happening in those early stages? And you bring up, you know, Twitter and these other communities growing. Like what are you noticing as far as trends going with academics either doing things on the side or leaving the academy and choosing careers or, you know, getting a PhD to not end up being a professor and, and actually choosing that? What are, what are some trends that you're seeing? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> you know that the answer is going to be... Uh... <laughs> complicated. Um, right. <laughs> Not on this show. We never get complicated. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, you know, it's interesting because I, I think I hear that I heard this, I think yesterday on Twitter from somebody who I sort of, you know, shameless self promo was like, you should join the community. So one of the things I do in my business is we have an online community and um, you should join the community. And she was like, you know, I, I, I know you exist and I will eventually, but I feel overwhelmed mm. with all of the mm. blogs and all of yeah. the articles yep. and That's all of the podcasts so and all of the books. Yep. And I was like, oh, right. It's not like there was none of this before I started because yeah. there was stuff. Um, and it's fascinating to come across stuff written in, say, like 1999 or, say, sure. 1979. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm about this stuff because you know this is not a new conversation but there is a lot more uh, and yeah absolutely on the internet I mean it is on the internet yeah I mean the internet is an amazing place the other thing that's really interesting though is that folks self-select of course that mm. I see and interact with online and it, it can seem like everyone knows about me but, yes or very us, true or this mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think social media usage in academia is still the minority among yes. you know, among yes. grad students and professors. Yes. So there yep. are still the majority of folks who have no idea. And yep. it's, I'm not, I mean, I don't know, but I suspect graduate school hasn't changed in, in sort of traditional quote unquote sure. sort of R1 focus stuff. I'm not sure that it's changed broadly. Um, mm. I think there, there is change, but I think broadly, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I and I, I totally, I, I got you on the like. It's a bubble, and and we get so wrapped up in seeing kind of some of the same stuff, obviously with algorithms and everything. That it's like, oh, everyone knows about this, yeah. and it's like, no, it's like just the beginning. But I, um, even thinking about, I just, I did an episode with Chris Cloney, and he does, he's basically launching a a website and a business around it called grad blogger. Mm -hmm. And he was like you blogging his research specifically, actually. And he built a business on this super niche thing. Um, But what's interesting is he's like, my advisor was pretty supportive. Like, but he came to him with this, like, oh, I think I'm going to blog about this while I work out my ideas. And the, and the advisor was like, kind of like, okay, cool. Like, and you know, he, not coached him through it, but made sure he was doing everything within obviously the rules of research and stuff. But I'm I'm wondering if, because I agree, I think the structure pretty much has not changed, but I'm wondering if like there's a little more access to information and, um, within the last even like three years, arguably, that, um, that maybe some advisors are starting to go, oh, people are doing it a little bit differently. Because I, I worry too that oh, this is how I did it. So this is what you have to do too. And then give no support and no, uh, there's other ways of doing it. And now, of course, as we know, you know, how institutions operate, there's obviously norms and behaviors that get passed on and all of that. But like, I wonder if there's like a little crack happening where <laughs> it's like a little more accessible um, because I worry that it's less not that an academic or sorry, like an advisor sitting in an office and a grad student's coming to them scared out of their mind about what their next steps are. And they don't, you know, yeah, are they going to be like, oh, you could start a business? No, they're not. <laughs> but if like a student came in and, and trusted the person and was asking, I could see it being maybe a little bit like more. I see this other places, uh, but maybe my head's just in the clouds also. <laughs> well, I think I think it can depend in part on how clued in the, the advisor, the professor yeah. is, the department in general is on um, what is going on in that discipline? Mm, um, yes. And I don't mean sort of the academic part of the discipline, but a lot of associations, disciplinary associations are talking mm-hmm. about this. So for example, yep. um, you know, history PhD, if you're clued into what the AHA is doing, the Historical Association, or if you're an English PhD and you're clued in with what the MLA is doing, there mm-hmm. is a lot of conversation in the humanities and of course in, in many yep. of the STEM and in the bio bioscience biological STEM field as well, there is a ton of discussion on this. I think it's I think there's a lot of profs who aren't necessarily all that clued in. Sure. <laughs> with sure. This stuff. I think there's a lot of professors who don't read inside higher ed or the chronicle of higher ed. Sure. But a lot of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 very interesting because I think the way that academic hiring works, it's often the folks that are have gone straight through and who did not spend a long time sessioning, adjuncting as postdocs. Mm, it's the people who yep. have been successful and quick mm, to go yep. through this are the ones that yep. are faculty members. And yep. so I don't assume that they are really super clued in. And I don't so true. say that as a criticism. Yeah. It's just you know, as you said, the structure is, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the short answer is I don't know. And I, yeah, I'm optimistic. And then every once in a while I come across, you know, something happens and I'm like, "Mm, Mm, I don't know. I don't know. That's it. 
It's an interesting point, too. So, yeah. So the marginalized populations, too, are more likely to not be like maybe, yeah, the people that don't have access. And that's interesting because I'm thinking as well at like part time faculty, the numbers are growing. Mm -hmm. Right. So institutions are relying on their more them more and more, especially in the United States. I don't know about Canada Canada for you guys. Yeah. So. Right. So there's disproportionate number of part time faculty. And then um, there's a lot of grad students coming up through the ranks. And I think what might change is these Ph.D. students and how much access they had to this space, because I, I when I, I was doing my doctorate work in 2000. Well, I also did a master's first, and I think I started in like 2007. But then I was like heavily dissertating and doing all that stuff in about like 2008, nine. No, wait. 10 and 11, I think. So it was a while ago. But I remember being like, what are people talking about online? And I was reading Grad Hacker, right? And I'm like, oh, there people are coming up with workflows and there's apps that can like make this better. And it was like Grad Hacker was like one of the only things. I think there was a couple others. And then of course, like Acrimo was really helpful. And so I started tapping into that of like, oh, you know, social media can help me get through this, right? And I even hired a dissertation coach, which I've talked about on the podcast. And I interviewed her because that was game changing. And I stumbled across her like someone else in my in my department um, used her. And I was like, well, why wouldn't I make this easier? (laughs) Right. Like everyone's talking about how horrible it is. What if I made it easier? I mean, it was beautiful. I actually loved my process, um, which is rare. But I, I say that because that was like six years ago. And I'm and I, you know, I, I talked to a lot of academics who have businesses built on the gaps in higher ed, right? Like the tenure track professor who needs to write a lot, but also has a family. Um, and, you know, there's uh, they're not getting the resources and the support or the mental health that's, you know, obviously missing mental health support. And so there's this or I help, you know, PhD students with their dissertation. And so there's all these people filling in those gaps, which I love about entrepreneurship and running a business and doing coaching and freelancing. Um, but like, I'm curious if the, the the people going through programs now, you know, the I don't even know what they're called millennials, but the ones even before that, like, they're going to be just like seeing the internet in a totally different way. No matter what their advisor says, <laughs> right? They're going to look at their advisor and be like, you just don't get it. That's what I'm imagining. But maybe I'm not thinking about it in the right way. But I could, I'm just seeing that it's it's going to grow. And I, I guess that's maybe where I'm leaning towards as well. Like, do you think that this space has room to grow? The like, you know, academics helping other academics and building businesses off of that because of the awareness that it exists. Like I find that a lot of people talk about it from a perspective of like, people don't know we're out here and I can help them not be sad all the time and depressed and overworked and tired and stressed while they're doing their academic work or, or and all the other things that people help people with. Yeah. So do you see that as like a growing industry? Because uh, to me, it's, I, it's probably not going to come from the faculty, right? I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's probably going to come from PhD cho- students choosing something different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, and I'm here to see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm available yeah. for that. <laughs> no, we'll see. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really interesting uh, question. In terms of this market uh, and yeah. as a market, I, I, re- yeah. I do think that we are in the process and have been in the process of not just um, recognizing that there is a market, but actually creating a market. Creating it. And so mm. it's, we're, yeah. we're doing two really difficult things at once. 
Mm-hmm. Um, building businesses to serve a need, but then <laughs> yep. help it. You have to educate your customers so, yep. so, so much because they yep. don't, they have no idea. They're yep. not even aware <laughs> that they necessarily have a problem Yeah, because this yep. is just how things are. And so yep. th- there's a ton of educating that has to go on in and I hope I don't sound like an evil capitalist, right? Quote unquote. No. But it, it's like <laughs> right? really helping people see. We teeter on that on the show. <laughs> I think I, I think my intro episode is like, what am I doing? Like, I never thought I'd be doing this. You know, sitting here teaching like Karl Marx and all that stuff in my classroom. And then here I am. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge challenge that I think folks that are not in this space that just deal with more regular customers. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I think Quote unquote. it's very yeah. challenging um, th- yeah. because the market doesn't know that, that, that it, it is a market <laughs> first <Yep>. off. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is that especially maybe less so with faculty members, although of course many people don't get paid well and many people have enormous amounts mm-hmm. of debt, but certainly with graduate mm-hmm. students, this is a population that legit doesn't have a lot of money and psychologically yeah. separately, but psychologically they also don't have a lot of money. Um, yeah. If that, if, yes. you know, if that distinction makes sense, they, and they are not, it does. Yeah, they have no uh, history of paying for this kind of stuff. They obviously mm-hmm. buy apples at the grocery store and they buy coffees at Starbucks, but they buy jeans at the Gap. But they're not used to paying money for professional development. I mean, this is maybe mm-hmm. a phrase mm-hmm. that they've never even really heard of. Maybe they have, and they roll their eyes at it. So there's a lot of barriers that exist mm-hmm. in in this field. When it comes to being an entrepreneur or business owner, um, yes, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, it's all of that. challenging. Mm-hmm. It is really mm-hmm. challenging mm-hmm. in ways that I think other business owners would not recognize. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know, I but I, expect. yeah, and I think no, like I mean, that's kind of the interesting part about it too, from a like. I don't know, marketing 101 perspective, which I'm by no means like fully capable of teaching. But what, from what I've learned in the last couple of years, too, it's like, you know, we, when we are our customers, it's helpful um, as well, because we can point back to, oh, well, I made this choice, like, and I made this choice. And um, what was I looking for? What was I Googling? What, where was I hanging out? And so when you can start to answer those kind of questions, it's really helpful. But I agree that, um, the not knowing they have a problem, I mean, that's like you don't want to deal with that population when it comes to marketing to them because you're you're basically not going to talk to them because they don't know that they're struggling. And so the marketing um around that is it just it's just different. But I, I'm wondering if it's gonna change. I think as the struggle gets worse, because I think even within the last 10 years, you know, the way the academic job market looks here, um, yeah, we're feeling a, l- a little bit better now than we did post recession but like the idea that they're not getting paid enough that there that there are fewer and fewer jobs and that there are are these other options that maybe the the awareness will broaden yeah. um because i and i always ask this question too like how did you stumble into this or how did you end up here and like deciding to run a business and, you know, they have that moment where they're just literally on Google, Googling the word freelancer or um, or they're on Craigslist and someone has some sort of shady Craigslist ad telling you how you can make money online. And so I think I think the more stumblings, I, I think they're probably going to increase. But um, yeah, and we're you know, I'm available for that as well as people learn about this, obviously. 
I'd like to, I kind of want to talk about, yeah, the early days of your business Mm -hmm. then, you know, since you've been doing this a little while and you mentioned these communities that you've began, you started and kind of um, created. So when did you, when were you making like a decent amount of money, like in like, and what were the early income streams um, for your work? Sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, So I started something you said many minutes ago, <laughs> Lindsay. Uh, <Yeah. laughs> I, I think maybe you didn't say this directly, but not being sure about your worth as a charging mm, money for yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I I, I decided so I was working with Hillary as a co- who was my coach, and I started to think early on, like, "Ooh, this is interesting. Maybe I want to do this too." Felt very sheepish mm. about that, but I admitted this mm-hmm. to her, and she was supportive, and I did some informational interviews with coaches and I read about coaching and I explored coaching programs. So learning how to coach. Cool. And months mm-hmm. later, I eventually took a class. I, I mean, I've now taken several, but I took a, mm-hmm. a course on how to coach. And it was in the context mm-hmm. of that class that I had my first clients, $10 a session, <laughs> right? Wow. Which was, the, wow. you know, I'm not recommending <laughs> that for anybody that that, no. <laughs> was, that was the amount of money that I felt I could say with a straight face. Right. I mean, that gives mm-hmm. you a clue into, mm-hmm. right? So that's a clue. Um, this was summer 2013. Um, okay. So I, I, I have done my own taxes every year. So I know the money. Um, mm-hmm. That first year, so 2013, that, that uh, calendar year, I was in the hole because I paid for coaching courses. Yep. I did have some yep. income. And the income at that point was all one on one coaching. I did run a, a, a group, uh, a phone group that earned me a tiny amount of income, but basically it was just one-on-ones. And I wasn't, I mean, I hardly made anything you can imagine. 2014, <laughs> I think I brought in 10 grand net. This is all Canadian dollars. Um, okay. But, you know, I live in an expensive city, so you can mm-hmm. sort of imagine that it's like US dollars. So I made 10 grand. Then the following year, I made about 20. So what we're in 2015. Mm-hmm. 2016, more again. 2017, Lindsay, the most money I've ever made on this, I, I'm not shy to say, is for about $40,000 Canadian. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I it's a difficult market and maybe I'm not mm-hmm. good at this as a business, but... I don't know about that. <laughs> well, the context here is... Context, that's not the right way of putting it. But the realization, the realization of, okay, one-on-one coaching is really difficult. So kind mm-hmm. of coaching that I do, right? There's a lot of different flavors yes. of coaching, but the kind of yes. where, the, where I really excel is a hard sell. And it's not that I suck at it. It's just that it's, 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 you know, most people aren't looking for it. So mm. it's, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, yeah. And other income streams, speaking on campuses, uh, I oh, did yeah. an online mm-hmm. conference. I started doing this online conference with Marin in 2014. Oh yeah. We, I came across that. that when you just ran it this last year, I yeah. think I stumbled on it. So yeah. that, we've now done five of those, but that's been an awesome stream sort of kind of from the beginning. But the mm-hmm. realization a couple of years back was like, okay, focusing on one-on-one coaching, there is actually a cap on how much money I can make given the yep. types of clients yep. that I want to work with. There really is a yep. cap. I'm single. I don't have any kids, but I have, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I have to pay the rent myself Yep. Um, yep. and I don't have any pension plan yet. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm in Canada, so I don't have to worry about some basic health care. But, you know, if yeah. I get hit by a car, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So this is not enough money. So yeah. Marin and I, I mean, I, let, I don't speak for her, but I know certainly for me, it was like a money issue. This is this, this, 
these services, these these offerings in the marketplace is not enough. Let's join yep. forces, forces full time. It was not only about money, but let's join forces full time. Yeah. Let's make Beyond the Professoriate a full time thing. Mm-hmm. And well, as Marin has say, is saying these days, all signs point to slow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you're in it for the long game. We That's are in this for the long I think game. So. Yeah, yep. Yep. we are in this for the long game. I've, uh, you know, I said in 2014, I made about 40 grand Canadian. I made a lot less in 2018, a lot mm. less because we are investing time and money, but yep. mostly time. Yep. We're both investing our time in building Beyond Prof. And we have yep. three primary offerings: the conference, which is a, a one-time annual thing. It's it's webinars. Uh, we have an mm-hmm. online community, community.beyondprof.com. That's for individuals. That has been slow, but it's coming. Mm. It's coming. It's yep. awesome when we'll get there. And then yep. the third thing, which we just newly launched. So, you know, I'm going to relax about it, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty much brand new, is an offering for institutions. So the universities. Ah. So that's brand new. And the sales cycle for that, sales cycle or the sales process for that is long. I bet. I bet. I could only imagine. It's long. So yeah, uh, catch me up in a couple of years and let's see where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing with the institution for that? Like, what does that offer look like? That's really interesting. Yeah. So uh, Marin built us an e-learning platform. So it's a separate website um, that has uh, some features of e-learning features. So there's it's online course based, but but it's mostly not based around a course. Um, it's mostly a video library with tons of other resources, but it has all the learning features that the university would expect. All the videos have learning outcomes. There's a ton of additional resources. There's questions to consider. There's exercises. Uh, there's, cool. There's, a, there's a quizzes, so an assessment feature built in. Uh, so we're trying to make it really robust, you know, given the fact that it's recorded webinars and recorded video interviews. Um, yeah. It's amazing. There's 145 PhDs, different PhDs featured in there already. Uh, with, wow. with more every month uh, that we add to. Um, and we would love all the universities uh, with PhD programs to subscribe. And then none of their students and postdocs would have to pay. And then once the uh-huh. students and postdocs are graduate, have graduated, and if they still need help, we'll, we'll, we're there for them in our individual community. Very cheap. It's only 10 bucks US a month right now. Um, that'll go up a little soon. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. That's awesome. So you're offering it's like support of like, here's what you can do out in the world yes. kind of thing. Yes. Oh, that's really cool. Yes. And and beyond the professoriate implies that we do stuff for folks going beyond the professoriate. And yep. that's where we started. And we just are adding, um, we've started adding this fall. Uh, it's 2018 fall. We've started adding mm-hmm. content for the academic job market. And all of that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, all going to get yeah. added to Aurora. The e-learning platform is called Aurora. So it'll all be added uh-huh. there. And we'll also build up resources for folks that are currently in graduate school, you know, how to apply for grants and how to budget and, you know, self-care. Super cool. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. We want to be everything. So that's the university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a no-brainer for universities to subscribe. Mm-hmm, that's the sales mm-hmm. pitch. There you go. I love it. That sounds really cool. And like, that's no small feat, man, what you're doing. And um, I really appreciate you also being really open about the numbers as well. Um, I like I have a similar trajectory where my numbers dip this year because of choices I wanted to make about my livelihood. And it's actually very similar where I was like, uh, one-on-one services, I'm burned out. I have to give deliverables. I mean, there's all this stuff. I w- I'm not coaching, but I help people 
um, create courses. And so uh, then you need, if you want to grow your income, then you need to hire a team to execute yeah. it. Like, and, and then you're managing a team. Yeah. Um, all the uh, learning experience this year before, I think was the tough year for me where I was, um, I had left, but then it was like, now I'm this like business owner and like no one told me what it would feel like to be managing people while also being in charge of marketing and promoting yeah. and sales and everything, which is what happens when you're a solopreneur. Um, but then this year it was like, what do I want? Like, what it like, what do I want to do every day? I'm in charge. <laughs> That's why I did this. Um, and so starting to shift, but making decisions about how what your income looks like. Um, as you shift, because you know it's a lot of gambles and risks and and all of that, but there's really beautiful parts to it as well. When you know when you can kind of go all in on something and be like, "This is cool and this is going to change things," um, that can drive you more than revenue really ever did for me, at least. Yeah, but we got to we got to keep the lights on. Yeah, that, like back to that other point. Yeah, super important. Yeah. Um, for sure. And we do have well, a team. Uh, you know, Meredith and I uh -huh. are paying ourselves yet at the moment, but uh, you know, yeah. we have we got a couple part time employees. Are nice. In fact, I think we have three now, <laughs> and uh, nice. we have yeah, a yeah, yeah. couple contractors, and you know, we pay them mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, yeah. Yep. No, it's 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 exciting. It's exciting. It's slower than we ever imagined. <laughs> possible <laughs> right but it's slow to earn income but it's very fast to do things mm. it's very mm -hmm, fast mm -hmm. as far as like projects moving yeah. and things needing to get done oh yeah. yeah yeah a mile a minute yeah so that's it's fascinating and it's interesting i'm learning a ton and i'm you know i don't speak for Marin, but she would say the same learning a ton and <laughs> about things with no and no imagining that we right it's pretty it's it can be fun i mean that's i think in, in many ways, running a business, it's like, because there's no roadmap like there really is with academia, it's like, there, it's almost like everything is possible, yeah. which can be super intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can make it whatever you guys want to build your platform. And so then it's like, oh my gosh, where do we stop? Yeah. <laughs> like, how do we? It's, yeah, it's really I true. You. I mean, even, mm -hmm. you know, and I keep that in mind for myself. I remind myself, mm. even though it's very uncertain for me. Uh, for both of mm -hmm. us, for this whole, the business is mm -hmm. uncertain. I mean, I, I, I do think, you know, all signs point to yes and success. I mean, yep. for real. Yep. But, you know, uh, we have moments because we're not there yet. Um, mm -hmm. So even though there's uncertainty, I do feel that we're in charge of this. It's, yeah. I've not worked, mm -hmm. I've not been an adjunct, but I feel like there's a, there is a difference there because yep. when you're an adjunct, you are entirely at the mercy of yep. the institutions that you work for yep. and that maybe you suddenly don't work for. And that's it. But this, mm -hmm. I mean, there is no, as you said, there is no limit. It is up to you. I mean, it is up to you and your customers together, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it feels to me anyways, it feels very much uh, that we are in charge of this, even though of course we're not, mm -hmm. but yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I know, I totally know what you mean. And I love you bringing this up because it's definitely a common theme even for the folks who are adjuncting, people who are tenure track even don't feel like tenured or tenure track don't feel like they have the guarantee that maybe, you know, a couple generations prior had as well. I mean, people are losing, at least in the States, are losing, you know, different uh, support systems that used to exist, you know, politics, the way they're taking away some of the rights that we had. Yeah. So I think a lot of people feel that instability. Um, and then I've had lots of guests also point to like, 
you know, why do you start a business? You know, a lot of guests point to um, something happening like a health thing or a move or, you know, partners. I mean, lots of different reasons like life, right? Where then it's like, oh, now if I need to move, I have to find a new job. And that was really hard to get, right? And we all, and that's the thing about being an academic is it's not really mobile, like, or transitory at, at all, all, right? Um, my husband and I got super lucky. We were both tenure track. We <laughs> we left, I left a year before he left uh, one semester before, but both tenure track within like driving distance and we could live a normal life <laughs> where I had to drive a little bit further than him. But um, I mean, the two body problem was solved at my home. Um, and we walked away and talk about how guilty I felt mm. about that being like, yeah. oh, man, people would have killed yeah. for that like scenario. Yeah. And I'm just like, OK, bye. So, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you on that. And I think I think that the stability is um, at least uh, speaking from specifically the United States perspective, I guess, uh, our system, it's like people aren't sure anymore what's happening. So uh, there's a lot less like, oh, I'm safe. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot, there's not a lot of security, um, like what we felt like maybe whether it was a myth or not before, yeah. but I think it's that what the time we live in right now. It's, it's um, very, yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm curious to like, we, you're, I'm curious where your vision is for this. So like, if I were to, you know, five years from now, everything's working out what you and Marin want it to look like, what, what are you guys mm. up to, man? Like what, what kind of impact are you guys having? Yeah. I mean, the pie in the sky is we've changed academic culture for the better, mm, for the better I for everyone. It. I love it. Right. Mm. This, this is not, I mean, we are all in this together, right? When I'm on my most yep. positive, optimistic, happy days, I, I genuinely believe we are in this all together. Everyone, tenure track, yep. Yep. Cross, administrators, deans, staff, students, everyone. We're all employers, right? Government, right. funding bodies, we're all in this together. And there's no us versus them. Mm. Um, and PhDs are highly intelligent and mm-hmm. can solve many of the world's problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, we should be out here, out everywhere, mm-hmm. trying to solve the world's problems because mm. the world everywhere has problems. And yep. it is yep. a damn shame. It is a waste for having really intelligent, capable individuals feel like assholes or feel guilty or in crappy jobs where they're not respected and not paid. And that can happen at every level, <laughs> right? I don't just mean adjuncts. I mean everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a waste and a shame uh, to have people sort of squirreled away unhappily in the ivory tower or even, you know, maybe happily, but we should be everywhere. Um, right. So that's kind of like yeah. a high in the sky vision of like, yeah, right. But, you know, yeah, I think that's but that's what we're working towards. Yep. We work towards ideals. Yep. I think that's Definitely. great. Yep. Um, yep. It, you know, I think it would be really cool if Aurora, the e-learning platform was widely available so that yep. students from early on, you know, even students maybe yep. considering going to graduate school. I mean, I think there's a ton of potential for content that could be featured mm. in there. I think there's a, yeah. and, you know, it's, we know that watching a video is not as good an experience as, of course, in-person workshop, assuming, you know, it's sure. a, you know, well-facilitated, well-designed workshop. So we know that we're never going to be a replacement for on-campus services, mm. but we want to partner with on-campus services 
so that there can be really robust offerings, both in person, awesome. on campuses, as well as available to students remotely, wherever they are, on their phones, on their computers, at three in the morning, right? Anytime. Um, and we want to destigmatize all of that. So it'd be cool, you know, mm. if the war was out there and people did, there was a lot less suffering and a lot less mm. struggle. It is going to be mm-hmm. difficult for people coming out of PhD programs to move into non-obvious careers. That's not sure. going to change anytime soon. Yeah. But yep. it would be a lot better if it was a lot less difficult. And if folks mm. were aware of what it takes to transition, if that's what it comes down to, if folks were aware and preparing for it, you know, from the early days of their PhD, that would be awesome. Uh, and mm-hmm. that, you know, that's going to help their academic research as well. Of course, yep. <laughs> nothing is wasted. Yep. yep. Um, it would be great if our community had like a couple thousand people in it sort of actively. Yeah. I mean, you know, that would yeah. be awesome. I'm re- so possible. So possible. That's so We're possible. already and seeing more. Mm-hmm. with, you know, a few dozen people, we are seeing a lot of support and encouragement, folks helping each other out, uh, sharing ideas and resources and celebrating and just feeling better about themselves um, and mm. holding uh, webinars, you know, specifically for community members. Anyways, there, I think there's, it would nice. be really cool if that was a really robust, fun, exciting, uh, life-altering in some cases offering. Mm. And then mm-hmm. our online conference. I mean, I think, I think mm. there's a lot of opportunities if for industry partners or university partners. I mean, if people want to help support us, we can offer this cheaper. You know, the more yeah. money we get from others, the cheaper we can sell it to individuals too. Sure. And it would be cool if we had thousands of viewers instead of hundreds. Right? Yep. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That would be cool. That would be very One thing, cool. You know, I, I mentioned quickly 145 different PhDs are featured in Aurora. That's really a feature mm-hmm. of our business in general. Marin and I are mm-hmm. in charge, but we yep. are usually not the people uh, running, uh, delivering the content we're usually not the people on video. And that's really, really yeah. exciting. I mean, to have this yeah. huge network, not just of people that need help or that are going through the transition, but to be building this huge network of, of successful PhDs working all over the place. For me personally, mm. that's really cool. And I know I'm running, mm-hmm. I'm going on and on and on about this, Lizzie. So let me stop. No, keep going. I love it. <laughs> I know there's somebody listening. I mean, this is the thing too, Jennifer. Like I get emails from people who, there are people that listen to the show have no interest, at least at the moment. And they always write that. Like, I don't think I'm going to start a business, but I just love, and they literally say, I just love hearing that there are academics doing different things. (laughs) So that's, if that's not evidence enough right there, right? And mine's like a little more specific, right? It's like, here's how you can start a business. Um, But the, I mean, you're talking big scope. Like, here's how you can do lots of things. Um, and it's there, man. I'm telling you. And I, if we're not full circle, I don't know what is. Because we were just at the beginning talking about the lack of awareness, the lack of support that, you know, faculty members don't know where to send people or to help people. I've had, I've had guests on the show about exiting PhD programs because of depression mm-hmm. um, and not having any sort of direction or any, you know, any help from their... Um, the faculty members, like people didn't know what to do when they were like, I don't, I'm sad and I'm like not happy. And I, I, you know, what do I do? And they literally didn't have any advice for them. That's the kind of thing where, you know, this kind of platform can have such an impact. And we're talking about broad, 
um, you know, cultural shift, like you, like you mentioned, I mean, it's possible. I mean, think about even just how much has changed in 10 years, these kind of, I, I, cause I get asked this question a lot. I'm in and mixed up with all these internet marketer folks and all these people selling stuff and building funnels and doing all the things, right? Like I'm in that space. And I felt like a very like stood out like a sore thumb kind of person until I started to realize there were a couple hidden people, like you said, hidden in plain sight when I started to collect people. But like, I'm telling you, I get asked all the time or I, and I also get challenged around college, basically. Why do, why do we need to still have people go to college? You know, you can make a million dollars tomorrow without having a degree. And I'm like, yeah, but like, can we move back? from? And I'm like defending it in these spaces. But I think that there's going to be a like, I think higher ed and the way higher ed is run is going to be impacted by this like influx of solopreneurs, small businesses. It is a growing industry. Like I think... I forget what the stat was around freelancers. It's one of the gr- like growing chunks of the labor market, yeah. right? Like one of the faster growing. And so that to me, from that perspective, we get all sociological here too, right? Like as a shift is happening in the labor market, that's, I think that like us running businesses as academics, um, making money doing this, right? Solving a problem, which you and Marin are totally doing with this, with this work and we're going to impact how higher ed is run. But higher ed also has a lot to say to, to some of these folks running businesses as well. So I do think there is going to be some of that like, you know, exchange because I get asked all the time, like, what's the future of online education with this like billion, multi-billion dollar industry that is online learning where people are paying lots of money to take classes outside of schools? What does that look like, Lindsay? And I'm like, I have no idea, but I damn as well better have a say in it. Like, because all these other people aren't involved in public education, right? Like, I still believe that we should have public education. It's so important. So I think we're going to, there's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be a battle or if it's going to be a conversation, but like the overlap that we have, like where we kind of like, straddle these two worlds, I think is going to be really important that we're, we're present as decisions like this are getting made. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's no good for anyone to, to have us be in our ivory towers. <laughs> no. Boom. Exactly. And everyone knows it. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's challenging. It's challenging for individuals. Yeah. But if I, I should say, yeah. But if any individual... But collectively, yeah, it's, it's like... Yeah in the communities where we can like, you know, yeah. Talk about it. Troubleshoot. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's, yeah. I mean, that goes back to what you're talking about. The internet is, is your institution maybe is not going to support you mm. starting a business because they don't care. Yes. And, and your institution yep. is not going to value your public writing, right? Your institution, yep. they already they don't, don't care. <laughs> they don't value it. I mean, that's okay. I yeah. mean, whatever, yeah. that's a thing, mm-hmm. but there's a ton of opportunity for you as an individual to join existing and join yes. communities and yeah, to put yourself out there and start making some money. And maybe, you know, money is important, but in some ways more importantly, to make change. Yes. Yep. Boom. <laughs> the end. Okay, bye. No. <laughs> I love it. Um, do you have any maybe closing thoughts or words like advice for someone who might be you know, sitting here listening, being like, oh, what do I do next? Like, I love obviously your story, I think has is filled with that. But like, maybe, I don't know, some words of wisdom of things you you wish you knew when you took the leap or, sure. um, I don't know, jumped into this kind of stuff. Yeah, it, I really did 
I wasn't clinically depressed, but I, I know I felt like an asshole and I felt like a loser Mm -hmm. and I don't wish that on anybody, but now Mm -hmm. my life is, I have different challenges, but my life is much Mm -hmm. richer and I feel Mm -hmm. much more confident and I have more fun (laughs) and I don't miss anything about academia. And that is not a criticism. Mm -hmm. That is not a condemnation Mm -hmm. in any way. It's only to say mm-hmm. that the moments that I had in grad school, and of course I had moments where I was really energized and excited and I loved it. Sure. Those moments that I had, I have those moments now. The context is mm. different. The specifics are different, but I'm able to get at the same core thing that I got oh, I in love grad that. school. I love the archives. I love facilitating group discussions when I was a teaching assistant. Mm. Right? I, mean, mm-hmm. I loved organizing conferences. I do... I have the same feelings now doing different things, you know, things that at root are the same, that at root they're the same. Yep. So that's the message I would want to send to everyone out there is even if you are absolutely convinced that tenure track professoring is the be all and end all, I assure you, I promise you, mm-hmm. you can find glimmers of that stuff. You just have to figure out what is the root of what energizes you. Mm. What is the roots there? What are the roots? And you can find those roots all over the place. And it might take a few jobs. It might take an awful lot of conversations or it might be really quick. You never know. But there are, it, there's never, there's no dream job. That is a myth. That is a mm. myth. Oh, that's a great there's point. There's no dream mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. There are lots and lots and lots of places over the span of your life, your career, uh, where you're going to be able to make an impact uh, and work with great people and, and be challenged and intellectually challenged as well and have a good time. Ah, I love it. The no, there is no dream job. I'm sitting here going like, it's so true. And even when you land it and you love it, it still might not be and enough. It, and let so it, good. it might be a trap, right? Thinking of that it's yep. a dream job. <laughs> it might be a terrible trap. That's a trap. So stop yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> stop it. Stop it right now. Oh, I love it. So Jennifer, you're obviously hanging out on Twitter. So uh, we'll drop all your links there. Are there any other social media kind of accounts that you're playing with that people can come hang out with you? The main one is Twitter. Marin uh, has us Mm -hmm. beyond the prof on Instagram. Yes. I do have a Facebook page. Um, I'm hesitating. The main place is, (laughs) but speaking of online, individuals should Mm -hmm. come join us in the community. Uh, community.beyondprof.com. No pressure, but kind of. No. (laughs) Heck yeah. No, we do links here, dude. Promo left and right, because I think this is going to be so valuable for so many listeners. Let me mention one last thing, Lindsay, that uh, it is totally relevant to your listeners. I host something Mm. called Self-Employed PhD. The latest on that. So that was a a, um, self-contained separate thing. SEPHD is going to move into Beyond the Professorate community. So oh. we're going to be a group within the uh, Beyond Prof Network. Cool. So it's going to be a little cheaper. And there's going to be a lot yeah. more stuff going on that isn't only about self-employment. Uh, but, yeah. you know, starting to try and build this empire of awesome individuals, like-minded individuals with PhDs who don't have PhDs, but who sort of are part of our community doing all kinds of mm. things. So uh, this is, uh, you know, shout out anyone who's potentially interested yeah. in the online community. There's a lot of folks there. And let me know too. I might join actually. <laughs> let me know also if you want um, a 
me to come talk or anything like that too. I have lots of stuff to say about <laughs> running a yeah, business. Awesome. Um, Thank yeah, you. I would love to to support your community as well. Awesome. Well, I, we will definitely drop all those links below. I'm excited for you. And I'm so, I'm also just so just grateful for the work that you're doing and the fact that you keep showing up and uh, showing up for people, being vulnerable, sharing, uh, because yes, uh, it is about us making an impact and there's a lot that we can do to shift things. Um, and that's, that's key and we can do it better together for sure. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Yay. Well, thanks for coming by and we'll have to have you back on. Um, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what you guys do in 2019. Ah, I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. High it's going to be awesome. Awesome. <laughs>